D-P-P. The Steve Dangle Podcast. With your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Okay, now listen. If you're going to start somebody in overtime, the guy to start is Jake McCabe. On a team with Morgan Riley, on a team with Timothy Lilligren, on a team with TJ Brody, on a team with Mark Giordano, former Norris Trophy winner. Oh. I, I like who had a bad night. night. Who yeah. had a bad night? Fair enough. Yeah. You got to know which guys are going. Yeah. But I like Jake McCabe in a lot of different roles. Overtime with Matthews and Marner is not one of them. Although I will give Sheldon Keefe credit, he didn't start David Kampf. Yes. But mm-hmm. here's the problem: yes. you're playing the Islanders. You have to win this fucking game. Okay. You got to win this game. Well, you got to stop. We no, got no, to stop excusing the yeah, Leafs for losing know. to the Islanders. I've had it. No, you're right. You're you right. got to win it for Johnny. And then... In Long Island. Mitch on. Marner. Sorry. On. on. That was legit. I'm not being a dick. You know, I just... I loved... Up. You know what? I loved my last vacation on Jamaica. Well, yeah. here we are on Toronto. Yeah, I love being on Barbados. You talked about great this island. the LFR, and when you said on Earth, that was actually correct. Yes. Even though even though you were saying, like, it's, oh, I'm on North America. But then you're like, I'm on Earth. And I'm like, yeah, that is actually... We're yeah, also in Earth, though. I mean, are, are we? you know what? Actually, Jesse, we just say in Earth. We're within we're changing Earth's it now. atmosphere, if you want to get technical. There you go. Yeah. We're in Earth. So, there you go. so I want to say this. On Long Island, everybody. I want to say this. On. I think it's important. Respect them. Um, Mitch Marner was calling for the pass. He was wide open at the blue line. Uh, Jake McCabe instead elected to uh, try to hit a streaking Matthews from the blue line to almost the other blue line with two guys on him. Now, maybe that's a play that they drew up. Sure. Like Marner. But like Marner decoy. was wide open. He decoy was wide Marner. open. Maybe. Yeah, decoy Marner, sure. But uh, sometimes the decoy is the coy. Go after the coy. <laughs> uh, wide open for easy receipt of the pass. Exactly. And we lead to an icing, which leads to a lost faceoff, which leads to a goal, which leads to the Islanders just dunking on us again for the second time this year. And I just... I just feel like I wish the Toronto Maple Leafs management, I don't put this on the players, I wish the management, dating all the way back to Mike Babcock, took these games a little more seriously. Because they're going to boo Tavares every time he's in there, and every time he's in there, you have a chance to dunk on Islanders fans and go, screw you guys. I don't think it was a dunking. I don't think this was a dunking. Like the the Leafs struggled on special teams. They like sure that's did. What it came down to, they sure they, did. They couldn't. The power play was awful. The one chance they had, they allowed a power play goal every single time the Islanders got a power play. And uh, so this is the first one, like forty tenths of a second into it, mm-hmm. you know. And then the overtime sucked. To to Adam's point, look at Barzal's celebration. Oh yeah, they wanted this game. That meant something. Well, to him especially. Oh yeah, he's decided he just hates John Tavares with a absolute. Even though Tavares, like, Eternal like blood feud. he said, like, they, you know, Matt Barzell, this is his team now on the way out. I think if you go back and you watch every overtime winner of every player, they are excited to score that goal. Not true. William Nylander always celebrates by being tired. That, But that's his way of showing that he's super excited. There yeah. was one, <laughs> I think it was against the Devils a few years ago, where he didn't even raise his arms. He put his stick on his knees and just breathed. 
Because, because he's the best. Because he's the best. Yeah. And also that's what he needed to do. And also he got caught out too long. And also he scored an overtime winner with a second left. I feel like the Leafs were very competitive at five on five. They they controlled the play and the special team sucked. And at the end of the day, they got a point. They're on a four game point streak. It was fine. I don't think it was a dunking. I no, think I'm, I need to. No, I don't know. it's not acceptable to lose to the Islanders. And I don't under, I don't know why the Leafs management. I don't put this on the players except for their special teams play, which was garbage. And we can get to that. I don't think people understand this. You cannot lose to the Islanders. You're the Toronto Maple Leafs. You have yeah, John You've Tavares. admitted that unless the Leafs go 82-0, and 0, you get upset. Okay, fair. But it's the Islanders. You can't let them do this. You can't let them get away with this. You can't. And Islanders fans, you know what I'm talking about. You guys are loving your life this morning. And you know what? If I were you, I would love it too. I just, it, it starts, this could have been put to bed the day that the Leafs played in Long Island, on Long on, Island, on, yeah. at Nassau Coliseum, the old barn. This could have been put to bed that day had had Mike Babcock decided to start the actual starter, not the backup. I don't even remember who the goalie was. Garrett Sparks. Oh, my God. You put Garrett Sparks in that arena? Brainless. And just, that, so just soulless. This would have been put to bed. There were people in the parking lot lighting jerseys on fire, running them over with trucks. Like it was crazy. You had an opportunity to end that. Babcock screwed it up. And now here we are, like six years later, and they're still booing him. He we got it. We got it. Listen, there are certain games you circle on the calendar. Fucking circle this one, guys. Come on. You're win this game. You're up three to one. Lock it down. You're so right about the like such an underrated misgiving of uh, Babcock's time in Toronto is starting Garrett Sparks in that game. It's it's to, as far as I'm concerned, besides the Mitch Marner list, it's the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen a pro coach do. Maybe that and the Spets scratching in game one. It was like, he is such was, a disrespectful asshole anyway. We know that. It was it was the equivalent of like showing up to a Metallica concert in like a polo shirt and chinos and being like, all right, so who's on tonight? Yeah. Yeah, like you're at a Metallica concert, asshole. Or, or you have tickets what? to Taylor Swift and you don't even really like her music. Yeah. Like you dick. Well, I could take it or leave it. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to leave early. I've uh, heard, uh, you know, I played the what that song where she talks about uh, jeans or whatever. Yeah, I like the jeans song. Anyway, I'm going to go. It's uh, it's something that I need the Toronto Maple Leafs and their management to take seriously every year. Okay. You can't keep let Islanders fans do do this to us, all right? This is a better team than that team. We can't do this anymore. You do right. remember that this game was also played on December 11th, and John Tavares got his 1,000th career point. And they, what happened? They lost in overtime. They lost in overtime. Yeah, yeah. Now, so every single time? You got to win every game against the Islanders. <laughs> so you, you, every yo, time? You got to win every game against the shitty Blackhawks. They couldn't do that either. So Adam is speaking from the heart. I have a complaint from the brain. Thank What's you. that? Why do the Leafs have one more win than losses in multi-goal Matthews games? They oh, are yeah. six, two, and three. They're burying Matthews gems. Dude, he one of those games they lost, he had a hat trick. Unforgivable! Was, that the, was that the Columbus game? What game do you have? Um, Buffalo question mark? Okay. I'm not sure. Maybe it was the I don't know. Doesn't matter. They've lost five games this year where he scored two goals or more. They began his career by losing a game where he scored four fucking goals. Mm -hmm. That's the brain. Because a player gives you two goals, you should win that game. 
It's it's like a goalie gives you a certain amount of saves. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. You should be able to win that game. A certain save percentage or whatever. You get two goals from a player and you lose that game. You stink. Well, Oilers fans can relate. Because yes. they keep getting two goals from Zach Hyman and they are not allowed. Every time. Disallowed this goal, disallowed that. Zach Hyman is going to break Gretzky's record. Yeah. <laughs> well, the last week's just been brutal to the guy. I feel, I feel so, so validated by that. What do you mean? Like, because I remember the Leafs needed a net front presence on the power play. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. We could try Hyman. That's where he scores goals. And people were like, <laughs> because his save percentage was garbage. But he was like, save the, percentage. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Sorry, shooting percentage. His save percentage wasn't very good either. No. What, he never played a game. Zero. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Never Couldn't get lower. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but he kept getting those opportunities and he kept missing. But then they started going in. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, I, I think this might be a really good player. I didn't think he was 50 goals good, but. Uh, oh, he's not going to score 50 goals. Jesse. Jesse. Could. I'm putting my foot down. If Zach Hyman scores 50 goals, I will eat bread on this show. You will eat bread? Do you not eat bread? I will eat bread on this show. Moldy bread. Hot take a palooza. I said bread's overrated. Oh, right. You guys don't even remember things that happened like a week ago. Yeah, no, you can't ask us to remember that. brains on these two. I know. Memories. I I know. Boo. Boo. I know. I know. Listen, it's, it's, I just can't have, I just can't have it. Um, uh, I can't have the Leafs losing the Islanders anymore. I also want to understand First off, they got one penalty or one power play last night. Mm-hmm. And weird that they, with Matthew Nyes as an option, with Nick Robertson as an option, they're going 2D on the second power play. 2D on the PP2. How's that sound? Uh, the, first of all, off-putting. Um, second of all, uh, well, they're not playing Robertson. All right, but what? So what was the second unit? Mm-hmm. What was the second unit? It was... Uh, Lilligren. I'll pull it up. Yeah. Because I've wondered that too. I, like, nice. They got Giordano nice. Lilligren. Yeah. Bertuzzi, Domi, Yarncroak. Oh. So man. no Robertson? That feels. He scored against it. I know San Jose is supremely shitty, but he did have a really nice. He has a great shot. So there's only two things there that make any sense. It feels political. Like you've got to play. I don't Giordano Giordano like your third yeah that's your third pair like well who what are, what are we doing here put nice net front and profit what the what are you doing yeah just put um uh, or it's they're galaxy braining it the way they do sometimes with coaching and nice is on the post power play line except he's not though no because it's always they usually put camp out there yeah, post No, Nice should be playing that front uh, on PP2. McCann Gregor camp, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. By the way, Noah Gregor uh, going into last night, I think according to Kevin Papetti, was like just ahead of Ryan Reeves on in terms of like expected goals for yeah. five on five, and then he was on the ice for goal four. He's been low key terrible. And then that pass to Bobby McMahon was nasty, though. That was such a good goal. Is it okay to irrationally like Noah Gregor anyway, despite the bad stats? Like, I think he's been a little thrown off since he was put on the first line. I think those two, <laughs> That's I true. Think those two players are different players. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think if you're comparing just what those two guys can be and their ceilings, it's completely different well, conversations. How, how about this? The next time a forward has to come out of the lineup, it should be Gregor. As opposed to uh, Nick Robertson. Well, as opposed to McMahon. 
Not okay, Robertson's not in there, right? So if right. you're trying to get Robertson in there, I think the way it's working right now is it would probably be Holmberg um, just because he's the guy who replaced Robertson. But if it's not Holmberg, it's, well, by who was in the minors most recently, it'd be McMahon. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think he's a better player than Noah Gregor. Holmberg? Uh, or no, McMahon. Uh, McMahon. Well, both, really. Yeah. Gregor is ridiculously fast. He's willing to stick up for his teammates. Uh, but, like, you can't be... Um, who is it who said Patrick Beverly was fooling everyone with his defense? Was it Russell Westbrook? Yes. Yeah. He's yeah. like, no, he's just running ar- around out there doing stuff. Like, Cardio- Noah Gregor went to the Cardio- Kasperi Kapanen... He went to the Kasperi Kapanen school of running around and doing stuff. I did like the setup for that play, but yeah, he hasn't been very good recently. I, don't know, I think with Gregor, you see flashes of what it can be with that speed. 100%. You know, you and I feel like if you you need it, you need to give him the opportunities to figure it out, right? Like Kapanen. And I feel like with Gregor as opposed to somebody like Robertson who needs to figure out other nuances of, of the game, with Gregor, if you can control the speed eventually, he'll be able to figure out and can be a lot better player than we think. He's also deceptively young. He's got kind of like an older face, mm-hmm. um, but like I'm pretty sure Bobby McMahon is like two years older than him. Mm-hmm. He might be the same age as Pontus Holmberg. He's within a year of Pontus Holmberg. I still look at all of those guys as like building projects. Like none of, none of those players are complete players yet. I mean, you know, aren't we all learning every day? <laughs> <laughs> For reference, Noah Gregor is 25. Bobby McMahon is 27. Holmberg is 24. Robertson's 22. So that's kind of... Holmberg little... turns 25 in like a month, I think. Okay, so 25 there. Th- that's kind of the group we're all shifting around. And Keith's trying to figure out. I do works. try to... I mean, I'm, I I want a, a coach to try things. Um I, I don't know why I think there's been a couple defensive plays that have put Nick Robertson in the doghouse, but I still think there's a lot of talent there. And I feel like the patience with him at the NHL level hasn't been there. I because like I don't expect Nick Robertson to be perfect. Um, if this guy tops out as a third line guy, great. Uh, as a third line scoring threat, great. I don't expect him to be Jason Robertson. I just think that objectively when you look at the talent the guy has it's better than any of the players on that list hmm. other than like and nice is playing up high but we're if we're talking about yeah. holmberg uh robertson gregor mcmahon yeah, robertson is the most talented so uh, over the course of 82 games you think you're going to get the most positivity out of him jesse can you click on robertson's profile there uh just so we can see his salary breakdown sure. because like he has wanted to be a leaf right so we sort of talked about this the other day with Dennis Hildeby. Uh, his base salary in the NHL is $775,000. His minor salary, because he's on an entry-level deal, is seventy. dollars So oh. every day he spends in the NHL, he's making 10 times what he would in the minors. So don't feel too bad for this guy when he's a healthy scratch in the NHL because he's still in the NHL. There seems to be some sort of underlying resistance here. There should be no problem with this guy at his age friggin' playing games in the American Hockey League and doing well. Mm-hmm. Like, what, are you too good? <laughs> like, I assure you, you're not. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and, and this isn't a knock against the guy, but like, what if he's not in the doghouse? Like, I think the doghouse is reserved for guys who don't listen to their coach. 
I don't think Nick Robertson's uncoachable. I, I think he's got probably a harder work ethic, uh, ethic than anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe in his ability to develop. I believe in his ability uh, to play. But like, dude, he gets run over every time he's he's out there. He gets knocked off his feet three, four, five times a game. So is that like a gym thing this summer? Like you gotta get you you gotta get the Marty Saint Louis. Yeah, I don't, I don't legs going or I don't know. I don't think he's making stupid mistakes and that's why he's I mean, well, he did. That's that's what got him. Yeah, scratched. but like anyone's going to do that, right? Like, Anyone all right, young. let's let's scratch Giordano then. You, no, you know but what the, I mean? the leash is different for somebody who's 22 and working his way into the lineup as opposed to a former Norris Trophy winner. That's right. You know, and what is the byproduct of that? Like, what's the consequence? The consequence is you're a healthy scratch. Yeah. Like, listen, if you want to go to the minors, develop your game, play a bunch, first unit power play, all that, great. We'll accommodate you right away, send you down to the minors, we'll all have a Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. If you want to stay in the NHL and learn what it's like to be an NHL player, practice in the NHL, do NHL video coaching sessions, you're going to sit. And mention the most important thing. The money. <laughs> there you go. And the if money. You, if you want this extra couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. You're going to have to get scratched every now and then. You don't need to be a finance major to know that (laughs) $775,000 is bigger than 70. And the, the minor league thing, we did it. We did that this start of this season. We had Nick Robertson down in the minors and he excelled and he was too good for it and now he's up there and i don't believe that no but when he was down there that's all we talked about was like oh we we gotta call him up now yeah, yeah. That, that we talked about that on this show for weeks because he was doing so good and we're like all right that's enough minors for him let's bring him up so we're gonna do that again he's gonna go down he's gonna excel and we're gonna be like all right bring him up again we're not gonna learn our lesson we, but i also like oh well we gotta trade him like all no. the people saying that, no you don't no stop it dubis isn't here anymore you don't have to do right by every player. If they traded every player who asked for it, if every team did that, be a lot more trades. It'd be nice. There'd be a be lot fighting. more. Remember when Ilya Mikheyev was like, trade me? Mm-hmm. And Dubas just simply went, no. And then he played great. And then got he a played the contract. best hockey of his career. He asked for a trade. They didn't trade him. They said, how about you fucking play better? He played better, and now he's a multimillionaire. That's doing right by a guy. You're welcome, Yulia. Mm-hmm. I I just I I I get tired about the lack of patience on both ends with Nick Robertson. Uh this is a fine player who's gonna be better. Yeah, I just I, hope he gives himself the opportunity to do it. And too. and if you look at say, um, uh, if you look at for instance um, Zach Hyman and his progression at his age, um, <coughs> that guy. I mean, I remember when he broke in with the Leafs and they had him on the top line with Matthews and Nylander at the time because. Marner well, and Matthews wanted to play together, so Mike ba- Babcock said, absolutely not. It was technically the third line. I hate Joy. Yeah, that was the third line. Um, everybody's like, why are we putting Captain Stonehands with the the best young goal scorer of his generation, right? Yeah, and, like, then it wh- was, and then it quickly became whatever line has Zach Hyman on it is the top line. Yes, 100%. But but I think you know that first couple of years, outside of the shorthanded <coughs> goals, I think he set the shorthanded goal record in his first year um, uh, for, for, for the rookies. Leafs. For rookies, uh, for rookies, he was amazing. Uh, the, uh, the he couldn't finish. 
There were so many goals he just swung and missed on. And he is now what, 30? 31? Mm, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. And I'm he not, was drafted. He's older than you think. I, I am not saying that Nick Robertson is going to become Zach Hyman. All I'm saying is that players do develop later. Players do develop later. Zach Hyman is 31 right now. Okay. No way. Okay. Oh, so when he time. started with the Leafs, it, like full time in 16, 17, which is the first year with Matthews, Marner and Nylander, he had 10 goals. Then the next year he had 15, then the next 21, then 21, and then all back to 15. And then Oilers, now he's playing with McDavid, 27, 36. And right now he has 26 goals in 37 games. And to to just put it in perspective, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Hyman's rookie season with the Leafs, not the one where he had a cup of coffee with the bad logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the the 16. Yeah, yeah, that's the next year with Matthews. 16, 17. uh, I'm pretty sure he was the same age maybe a year younger than Pontus Holmberg is now. And Pontus Holmberg is going to be 25. You know? So like, th- this can happen. And, and I look at Zach Hyman. What, what I'm saying is guys guys take a while to figure it out, man. Can I uh, also point you in the direction of another Canadian ice hockey player? Uh, that name, former Leaf, Carter Verhage. A oh, guy who man. the Leafs traded Carter Verhage like five years before he regularly got into the lineup with Tampa. And so did the Islanders. And so did the Islanders. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because They traded him to the Islanders. He never played a game. He played two years with the Crunch before the Lightning even gave him a shot. And his first year, first full year with the Islanders, he had 52 games, nine goals. Then the next year... He did play with the Islanders? Oh, sorry, not the Islanders. The Lightning. Oh, oh, oh. Then he goes to Florida and it's like 43, 18 goals and 43 games. Whoa, 24. 42. I know. And he's got, in 41 games this year, 22 goals. My point is... Yeah, it's got some time. I don't know what Nick Robertson tops out at. Maybe they do include him in a trade at the trade deadline. But I do feel like maybe adjust the expectations on this kid. He wasn't a top five draft pick. We don't need to be that hard on it. It's not like Uri Slavkovsky where there's a ton of ton of pressure yes. on this guy. Yeah, the bar is different. Here's here's a guy that's what is what does uh, Nick Robertson have right now? Like, and I'm just pulling up his stats here. It's they're not terrible. He's got they're not bad. Twelve points in twenty five games. This is like half it, a point a game. Is that a third th- third liner to you? He has 12 points in 25 games. Six and six. That's more than I thought. He has six goals. Yeah. That's not bad, man. Not bad at all. It's not, not bad, bad at all. So anyway. And he uses he both also has hands when he gets his points. Three One of those goals have come in his last five games. I really, really... Un- Listen, you can trade anybody. Mm-hmm. If you trade him, make it make sense. Don't do it to get him into a better situation. The better situation is here. It's here. Mm-hmm. And he's also low cost. <laughs> well, I was going to say like, is that such a bad thing? I, we, we've been talking about guys need the Leafs needing guys to graduate and be low cost and augment, especially next year where it's going to be a tight year. Yes. Hey, and like, Hey, Nick, stick around. Uh, we're probably going to need you next year. There's a solid chance where instead of filling in with Matthews and Marner in practice, you're just straight up on that line. Yeah. If you can figure out whatever's pissing Keefe off, you don't have to wear a great jersey anymore next year. I don't get the impression Keefe's very subtle. No, I think he tells you. Right. I also don't think it's it's like upsetting him or pissing him off or anything. I think no. Sheldon Keefe's job is to win games. That yeah. night, 
I am going to ice the best lineup that I think wins me a game tonight. And every day that is the process. So I think it's just a matter of you haven't earned the trust in that, hey, tonight, if you're on the ice, we're going to win this game. Yeah. And like we just had the conversation about Gregor. So then you go Camp McMahon, Robertson. Who cares? You, no. you know what I mean? Like Nick Robertson's role can't be a fourth line player, I don't think. Like no. I think you're you're losing what you're hoping to have in him if you're if you're just running him out on the fourth line. But I don't know how we spent fifteen minutes on Nick Robertson. I, what? You'd be surprised, man. Like a lot of I get asked about him every time yeah. I ask for LFR questions. Yeah. People are really excited for this player. I get asked about him. I get asked about Hildeby. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people always want to talk about the core four. Obviously, who do you who do you want in a trade? But in terms of guys who are already here, it's Robertson. He's, and he's one of the most fascinating guys in the organization. And in terms of his contract, like they are they running out of runway there with that? How many years? Uh, let me left? just see. Is this it? He's an RFA at the end of this season, so he has to ink something new. Running out of runway with what? So he's an RFA. They they control the show, right? You know what I mean. So. If he wants to go somewhere else, like, he, it's going to be a really nasty process to get there. Like when an RFA wants out and they have leverage, mm-hmm. like a Dubois, it's difficult enough. When they don't, which he doesn't, like, you you don't have much choice other than to sign with the team you're with. The, the best he can do is sign short term. The qualifying offer is eight hundred and thirteen thousand dollars. So, like, that's nothing. Yeah, and it's not like they're so not going to qualify. Them. They're gonna, they're gonna probably bypass that and sign some sort of deal. I assume, right? I, I hope so. I mean, I, that, what does that look like to you guys? It depends how the rest of the season goes. Like, if I'm Nick Robertson, I have no interest in signing that extension right now because mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not even an everyday player right now. There might arise a situation where I'm in the lineup every night. I'm playing power play. I'm, you know, playing in the top six because of an injury or something. And all of a sudden I'm lighting it up. So right now it's like you could sign them to like 900,000 times three or something like that. Uh, but, you know, he ends the season. He somehow gets to 20 goals because he got in a good situation and got red hot. Well, all of a sudden now I'm asking for a number that's seven digits. Um, you know, also two million playoffs, times three or something. Like if that. he's, he happens to be some guy that goes, gets hot in the playoffs. A lot of guys make a lot of money in those seven or eight games yeah. that they play. Adam, if you're Nick Robertson's agent, you spend a lot of time around an agent. <laughs> what's your advice and what's, what number are you looking for this summer? Well, first off, Steve Dangle podcast is a kangaroo court. And, uh, I don't think first off, I'm his agent. The Leafs are for sure not calling about that extension right now. No. On the priority list of things the Leafs are worried about right now, uh, a 22-year-old RFA with six goals is not, it's just not up there, okay? Uh, When they do around, when they do call me in August, uh, because that's what it'll be, um, I will take a look at... I think it'll be sooner. You think so? Yeah. I I will take a look at um, what what he did in, in, in the late season and in the playoffs. Like, first off, he's got to be in the lineup every day. Second, he has a fantastic defensive uh, forward in Cali Yarncrook to babysit him. He's got an incredible playmaker in Max Domi, incredibly underrated. Listen, Max Domi's defense is questionable at the best of times. It's, it's bad. But his passing <laughs> is unbelievable. Yes. And so there's a theory there that, wow, you have a... 
great passing guy, great defensive and, and could score some goals guy and guy with great shot who's got lots of potential. Man, a fun line. Seems like a fun line. Yeah. If they can put that together, if they can really make that happen, yeah, I think I think the Max, like, listen, Connor Timmons on this team made $1.1 million. <laughs> um, I don't think that he should make $1.1 million. But yeah, right now. That, was a, that was a bad Dubas signing and I don't hate Connor Timmons. It's just he's not worth that. Love so that. I think... If they come to you right now and they go, we'll give you a couple years or three years at 900 grand, you take that deal so you can develop within the lineup. And it makes you a highly tradable asset. Hmm. Because remember, the Leafs are stacked offensively. And if you're looking at it from Nick Robertson's perspective, you might be thinking, man, if if I didn't have all of these amazing top five player of all or top 25 players of all time in scoring in front of me, right? The the top four, four of those top six players in at the Leafs at any one time are top 25 all-time in scoring for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's bonkers. Doesn't give him a lot of opportunity to move up in the lineup. And so I, I would be like, okay, I want a tradable deal. You don't want to end up in a contract situation like Philip Zadina where you're, um, and I, I think Robertson is in a better trajectory than Zadina is, but the, you know, where Zadina had to terminate his deal so that he could get an NHL job. Right? Well, like, Dude, get in the lineup. Get in the lineup and work from there. Mm -hmm. you, and like sometimes guys take cheap deals to get in the lineup. Mm -hmm. yeah. Look at Joseph Wool. There's a chance Joseph Wool uh, wouldn't even be on this team. But he signed a wicked deal because he made a discovery. He went to Finance 101. <laughs> discovered 700 and something thousand is bigger than 70. And, uh, you know, I see the leaf practices and their amenities. And, you know, I like flying the plane more than I like the bus. And you know what? I'm good enough. So I'm going to put myself in a position to get in the lineup with my cap hit and my ability and my ability in the lineup is what's going to get me millions. Mm -hmm. Do we all think Joseph Wool is going to stay a less than $800,000 goaltender next contract? Not a friggin' chance. No. Not a chance. You know a guy who was pissed off about um, his contract situation and he didn't take any bonuses and he did it so he could get in the lineup and woe was me a little bit? Sandine. Hmm. And I'm just I'm just looking, and I still love Rasmus Sandin. Like he's on pace for career bests for points anyway. Twelve penalty minutes in thirty six games, no goals, eleven assists, minus eight. On a pretty good on a better Caps team than we thought. And he had lots of opportunity earlier in the season when there were injuries. You you have to get in the lineup. That's step one. Mm-hmm. And then you got to earn your stay there. Yes. You have to earn your stay there. Simone Benoit. That dude was not an every night player. Mm -hmm. He's there now. He's like irreplaceable. He's out there in the final minute to close it out. It's crazy. But you got to get in the fucking lineup. 
Uh, I would like to ask a question. Just just one oh, thing on the sorry, sorry, Andean, sorry. Unfortunately, he's been out the last couple games for the Caps, and they just placed him on injured reserve after because Oshi came back. And oh, really? They had to move Sandine to injured reserve. Wow, so, Steve, why did you try to bury him? So horrible just, guy, Steve Dangle. <laughs> just throw Sheldon wow, Keefe, just be, just why, why don't you get up and walk it off there, Rasmus? Sheldon Keefe uh, texted me and he told me this. Okay, but uh, he's he's I think he's day to day, but he's on IR, the upper body injury. Now I. I don't want to start. I don't want to start a disingenuous dialogue, but I would like to start a dialogue because that is the trend. All right, Charles. Uh, I would like to start a dialogue. Uh, Hoopst on the Islanders has played thirty-nine games this year, five goals, nine assists. Is it the giraffe? That'd be Pierre Engvall. Mm. So Pierre Engvall has two more points than Nick Robertson. He has played almost 15 more games, 14 more games specifically. He is a zero. He has fewer goals. Fewer goals. Now, he does different things. I get it. He's defensively responsible. He's on a seven-year deal. And he's making three million bucks. So how do you feel about Nick Robertson making 900 grand on your third line? Don't feel so bad about it. Don't need to trade him. Don't think so. Nope. Because that's what that costs once you get to that age. And I and I and I again I, I understand that Pierre Engvall, I know there's a lot of Pierre Engvall fans in Leafs Nation, all of them like numbers, because anybody else that doesn't understand the numbers does not like Pierre Engvall. I can I can almost put that in there. And it's not because Pierre the guy isn't great or doesn't have a body that's carved from absolute marble. It just it's crazy in, it, how in shape that man silly. is. It's it's ridiculous. Silly. It's that this stuff to replace this is kind of it's more expensive than you think. Yeah. And, and like, what other prospects you got? Like, what other draft picks you got? Like, yeah, yeah. Everyone, I want Leaf fans to stop trading him. Oh, they're doing well. I stop. think what Leaf fans are looking for, by the way, Pierre Engvall is also a winger, not a center, making three million dollars. Oh. Oh. Um, I I think what Leaf fans are trying to do is, and I get this, is like look at the assets on the team. I think the fact that yeah. Nick Robertson's name is included in it is that he's a player that probably should be playing most days. And has some some high end attributes. That shot is unbelievable. Probably, I think CJ was saying it's the second best shot on the team besides Matthews. Dude, that's that, high praise. That man. bullet past Blackwood, crazy was mean. Mean. <laughs> so so anyway, yeah. I, I know we've done entirely too much on Nick Robertson, but I'm a fan, and uh, I want to give him a break. Now it was Nick Robertson by name, but there are a lot of situations around the NHL where the exact same argument can be applied. Sure, absolutely. Now Jesse. Yeah, I sent you something, and I you got to freeze frame it, and it is on the SDPN. Uh, it's on our SDPN group chat, okay? And it's this shot from last night. I'm not sure how much hockey you were able to watch last night. A lot of people on Twitter bragging about the autom- out-of-market games that they've been watching, and I'm going to be one of them because I have been following this team for nigh on a week, and... Oh, like closely because I watched them on Saturday and I was like texting their group going, are you guys seeing this? This team is really bad. Uh, Jesse, when you're ready. Oh, yeah, it's there. Maddie, bring it up. That is the uh, owner. President, I think president and GM. Yeah. And then I think the AGM of the Ottawa Senators, Michael and Lauer, Steve Steos. And I'm sorry, I don't know his name. Is that bonus? Oh, it might be bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. If you were to watch that video in full, and thank you, Jack Richardson, for posting it on Twitter. It is from a TSN feed, um, just so it's credited properly. Um, Those guys were pretty upset last night, and they should be. The Ottawa Senators, and we had Jason York on just two days ago, talking about how rough this team is to watch. Senators fans, 
Like I feel for you because it's not even an entertaining product. It's not like, hey, we're sometimes we're good, sometimes we're bad, but it's always fun. It's not fun. You know what, man? That is a good sign, though. That is the, someone's, that someone's angry about it and not making excuses. Yes. What? Well, how many situations? Like, look at Columbus. Yeah. A, a big part of the problem that they had this summer was born from their owner kind of being MIA. Yeah. Not really being involved. Mm -hmm. Now you don't want an owner who micromanages and, you know, we've criticized for that in the past. Uh, you know, Francesco Aquilini and everything who currently owns one of the best teams in the NHL. Uh, but <laughs> if you were ever curious about, um, whether or not the Sens were just going to leave it, <laughs> that, oh yeah, you know what? We'll write this season off and we'll just, we'll get them next time. That is not the face of an owner or front office that is interested in putting up with this a day longer. Um, I would not be shocked to see the Senators be one of the more active teams over the next couple months. What's interesting is, you know, Jason York talked about on, on the show last episode that it was time like Jesse asked the question. It was a great question about, is it time to trade from the core? And he said, yes. Now Freach has come out and said, they're not ready to do that yet. Um, I'm curious as to what they think they're going to get in this one or two players who takes care of themselves. Sorry. Can you ask the question again? I was smiling at the uh, dynamic between Kipper and Freach. What, what do you mean? Well, because Kipper is very bombastic and he's like, they need to do this. And then Freach has to go, all right, well, <laughs> I, I haven't heard that. That's why it works. That's, it's nice that you, you know, it's, I love their dynamic together. Um, it's very strange, so, but I love it. So the, the, the thing is, like, what's the, my question was the 200-foot player. Yes. What's this 200-foot player that probably eats well, like takes care of themselves? Uh, what is this one person going to bring out? By the way, I'll tell you, Nick or, uh, Nick Foligno, in the time that we started this show, just signed an extension with the Chicago Blackhawks. No way. Two years, four and a half per. Mm. He got a raise. Yeah. Wow. They must love him. He's well, like, they also know they're not going to be old. for a while. He's 36, 37. He's almost 40. Right? He's not yep. a kid. He, um, there's a, a clip. Do you remember when Dion Phaneuf absolutely blew up Stefan DaCosta on the Senators? The, the, sen the first Senator to go after Phaneuf was Nick Foligno. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He's been in the league a long time. Um, uh, wow. So mm -hmm. that, that threw me off a bit. I mean, well... It could be attached Sorry. to the conversation a little bit. Sorry, four and a half million. I did say that. Or yes. four, yeah, because he's making four. Yeah. It is four and a half. Yeah, yeah so he got a raise. Yeah. Um, Nick Foligno is someone who the Chicago Blackhawks obviously love having around. Mm -hmm. um, when when they say someone who takes care of themselves, I don't think these guys are slobs, you know, ketchup and mustard stains all over their shirt. I don't think that's what they mean. I don't think they mean they're unkempt. Um what that sounds like to me, I'm not accusing anyone in particular. I'm just saying what it sounds like is uh, high maintenance guys who you just have to put too much damn effort in. Mm. Like you listen to uh, execs talk about the players they, they love. Like what one of the, I don't remember the name, but I, I remember a conversation behind the scenes at Sportsnet one time. And uh, Brian Burke was asked about a certain player that he had on the Ducks. And he just, the first thing out of his mouth wasn't, oh, he was tough. He took care of the puck. 
Um, you know, he did, he was a coach's dream. He scored big goals. He was a playoff performer. First thing he said, zero maintenance. Generally, your boss doesn't actually want to have to think about you. (laughs) They would like to give you the money. You do a good job. They go, thank you for doing a good job. Go home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's what they want. They want guys who show up to the rink, listen to what the coach has to say. They have a good practice. They go do whatever they need to do for the rest of the day. They have their nap. I don't know. It doesn't matter to the team what you do for the rest of the day. When you are at the rink for practice, when you are at the rink for a game, we don't need we don't want to have to worry about you. You know, if you know, if you need something from us, like, you know, the medical care or whatever, uh, maintenance, you know, massage whatever, yeah, the team can take take care of you with that. But are you taxing? Are you tiring? That's that's what that sounds like from the sends guys who take care of themselves. So, so I, they're pro athletes. I'm so, okay, quite so confident they're in good shape. So if that's the case, if that's the case, like who has any right to be a squeaky wheel on this team besides Brady Kachuk? Well, I think you've found the crux of the problem, Adam. Like, yeah. I, one thing I, it's pissing them off. One thing I worry about the sends. <clears throat> Is that like the reason we are all kind of really high on the Sens this offseason, why the fan base is so high on them, is that they have a lot of young talent that looks to be very good one day. And I worry that a lot of the young talent was given too much too early. Like Tim Strusla is 21, has that $8.35 million contract. The second greatest contract ever signed next to Jake Sanderson's contract. (laughs) The first greatest contract ever signed. As a Tim Stutzel of fantasy owner, he is not having a good season. No, and Jake Sanderson, who's 21. And you look at the big pieces that they're relying on for the the team, and they're so young. And then you bring in the the veterans like like Giroux and Tarasenko, who've been been performing well. Like I said, uh, Giroux wasn't, what did I say the other day? He wasn't playing that well, and then he's gone on to score two goals and everyone's been like, Giroux's been great, so egg on my face for that so like everybody around the young guys has been great and i worry that there's not enough patience there with the young guys and that they've thrusted them into the position saying we're ready to compete but they're all like we just got here how do we compete in this league and they just need more maturing and more growing the point jason york made last show about um all their centers are too young was so interesting to me because you you look around the league like it, take the Boston Bruins, for example. I did not think they were going to be this good. Um, you know, they're not going to reach 65 games. They lost Krejci and Bergeron. That's huge. But the guys who are next man upping, the guys who are replacing them this season. Pavel, Zaka, and Charlie Coyle. Well, they're guys who got to play with those guys. Are the Sens getting that same experience? I mean, the the closest thing they have is Claude Giroux, who played center for a long time, but he's relegated to the wing right now. Winger now, yeah. Yeah, like he he did play center in this league. 
who do you got? I who thought, do you got up the middle? Who's your oldest center? I thought that point was so fascinating. Yeah, because yeah, you look at the numbers. Like if you run it down, Stutzla's twenty-one, uh, Pinto's twenty-three. Really, Greg, who is like the greatest end story this season. Like he's been phenomenal, he's been but he's a child. He's twenty-one. You know, he's still on on an eight hundred thousand dollar deal, and they've relied on him to control that third line. He's been awesome, but Norris? he's so young. Josh Norris is twenty-four. Where's That's the, the elder statesman who where have they been learning from? Like, how did they get this experience in the NHL besides trying to do it themselves? Yeah. And it's so evident on the ice when you when you watch the team lack play driving up the middle, you know, they get the, from their back end. I think Sanderson and Shabbat like they're and Chikrin. They're able to do things from there. But just the the offense just struggles. Who's mightily. the decor learning from? That really young decor they Sh- have. Who's who are they? Travis Hamanick, the the, oh. the old guy. There like, dude, that's it. That's it? The guy they just had to have. That's it? Yeah. Like, I guaranteed uh, what the Sens do next. Because, like, I, other than getting rid of, like, the hired guns, like Kubalik and, and Tarasenko, um, selling is not going to do much for this team. They need to just learn. I feel like it's almost there, but they're just not there. They need hockey trades. They need, like... None of this buy selling uh, hockey trade, I think, would would do them a lot of good. And like, you're not in the business of losing anymore. Like, I I know you're maybe focused on, you know, tanking for Celebrini or anything. I think it might actually do them some good to have a really good back half here, mm-hmm. um, which is a why that shouldn't be a stance. You know what? I think they should try to win. <laughs> that shouldn't even yeah, be a stand. But you're saying that, like, unlike you know, with last year with Bedard and everybody tanking for him, and there was there was a race to the bottom. You're yeah. saying that the Ottawa Senators, if there is a race to the bottom for Celebrini, should not be a part of it. Yeah, well, I also should try not to be anyway. I also don't think they're bad enough to really put themselves with San Jose. No, and Anaheim. But and you know that doesn't matter, right? Because even San Jose, if they come last, have a twenty percent shot. Well, it, that's the thing. There's a lottery, right? So that whole thing about there's there no teams tank. That's obviously a lie. Like Ottawa is a bottom three team. Yeah. It's the Sharks. It's the Hawks. It's the Sens. Damn. Yeah, the but Ducks, it's not going to end. The that way. Ducks are ahead of them. Steve. It will not end that way. Not a chance. Okay, the Ducks are ahead of them because they've played four more games, though. You know who low key did I think a better job than we give him credit for and that something Ottawa could learn from is Steve Eiserman in Detroit because he was in a similar position with a bunch of young guys and yep. then what did he do in the offseason he brought in or in the couple seasons he's been there brings in guys like Shane Gossesbear and Ben Sherratt and uh, JT Comfer mm-hmm. and just guys who have been in the NHL to teach the other guys how to play in the league. And, and we, not all of them are great contracts. No, no. They're not great contracts. You can't say it's been spectacular. No. Like, even Justin Hall, like, I don't think that's that's been awesome. He's a part of the but, rotation, guys. But you have David Perron, you know? You have guys yeah. who can show the other guys how to be an NHLer. And Ottawa never really did that. No. I mean... And it's worked out for Detroit in some respects. And also the guys, like, Drew, I think, really wants to be there. Um, well, he's from Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. They like, tried Tarasenko and Drew and Tarasenko's a gun. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's only he's there, there for, for his a next year. Deal. Well, I think he's going to get traded. He has a no trade clause. Yeah. So he can decide where he goes. Yeah. Dude, people, I, I always this, love when people you, bring that up. Like, can we stop, by the way? I don't know how many times we're going to say this throughout a year. Have you never seen a no trade clause wave before people? Oh, they can't trade him. Yes, they can. 
They can easily trade him. No, he loves the byword market. Yeah, he he needs to he needs, he needs to stay in Ottawa. Yeah. No, he's like gonna get traded now. He yeah, just he wants lo- to decide loves where. It. <laughs> loves. Oh yeah, you know what hockey players love to do in their off days? Skate on the canal. Yeah. Outdoor. Yeah. Uh, Those Carlton hangs out with the kids. You know. Yeah. And I don't know, like, like I gotta ask. Has Vlad Tarasenko been good enough for a big trade that Ottawa's hoping to get some return on? Because, yeah, he's got 26 points in 35 games, but is anybody, is anybody like, wow, Tarasenko's coming to be a real leader. Wow, he's lit it up. Or Someone's going to want him. I think they're going to want him, but I'm just, I think I think he needs a good couple of months here. I don't think that return is going to be like, we're not going to be blown away by the Tarasenko I don't think return. So. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. Because at the trade deadline, you look at what teams value. It's not the highly offensive middle six guys with no defensive talent. It's got it's right shot defensemen, yep. gritty defensemen, centers. right? It's always the center. Yep. And centers. Yeah. It would be great for the Sens to, in those trades, not just get picks and also get a roster player. Mm. Even if it's someone at the bottom of your roster, mm-hmm. like I'm not a big, you know, they need guys who have been there, you know, type of old fogey. Yeah. But um, yeah, they really are just a team of kids. Mm-hmm. They're a team of kids and they have like a few vets and only one of them's really truly bought in. It's true. You traded the seventh overall pick last year for a guy who was never bought in with Alex Dabrinkit. Like that's why I don't think they can get rid of Drew. I I think the Sens need guys who have been there and also want to be here. Yep. In Ottawa playing for the Sens. Someone's got to plant their flag and say this is a great place to play. All evidence shows it's terrible right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ottawa's a bad city. No, it's a great city. And, and, and it's, I don't and, think they have a bad future either. And I think they've got a good fan base. I think there's everything's there. It's just, you know, you got to have, you got to start winning. Everybody wanted to be there when they were winning. Yep. Everybody. And I think if you just look at the teams that have won recently, you'd never say, oh yeah, that's a young team. You Tampa. Not a young young team. team. Vegas, not Not a a young young team. team. Florida, not a young team. These young teams, like if they're looking to be Stanley Cup contenders right now, like they're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'd like them to contend for the playoffs first. (laughs) Right. Uh, And and they are going to, I think, I think, you know, Yorkie made a good point. He's like, you know, they do. They're very young up the middle. Uh, Shane Pinto, by the way, is on the ice right now. Um, so he is back and should be back. I think he's eligible Jan 23rd, if my dates are right. So this will be the sort of, you know, two week lead up to him getting better. Well, and you know, uh, the guy's joining the NHL in late January. Like that's tough. That's going to be really hard. Um, I have a stats question for you guys. Okay. I have a jumbled, probably wrong answer. How many teams are in the NHL? 32! 32. Fucking nailed it! Beat you! Where's this going? Okay. How many of those teams have allowed less than 100 goals this year? We are 41 games in for most teams. 41, so I'm this is about the halfway point. So if you're like 3A game, it should be the majority. So I assume it's going to be an awfully low number. It's going to be an awfully low number. Yeah. I'm going to say zero. Zero teams. Well, zero I teams. I don't think he'd bring it up if it was zero. <laughs> I do. 
You'd be awful. Uh, how many teams have let in zero goals this year, guys? <laughs> Correct. I Moving on. <laughs> that's uh, that's not a good way it's to zero. It is to more. Out it's a number trivia. that's more than zero, but it's low. So we are narrowing it. One. Down. Jesse, go ahead. Uh, let's go with three. You're both. It's in the middle of what you both said. Two. Two. Ah, what is that? Now. It's two. Who I got, nailed I got, it. I, I got one. Hundred percent. I'm pretty confident in this. Winnipeg. Oh. Winnipeg Jets, yeah. they have allowed the least goals in the NHL. And the reason also that's more impressive is that the number two team has played three less games than them. Number two team. Um, Sharks. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, is it the Canucks? Yeah. I think it is can- not the Canucks. No? I know. Uh, let's see. Who's had some great goaltending this season? I don't think it's Boston. I don't think it's Vegas. I do think it's Vegas. It is not Vegas. Shit. No. Uh, Boston? Nope. Okay. Do you want to hear No one because the answer is zero. Who is it? Los Angeles. Ah! Oh, I, yeah, I told you. Listen, when they have the kind of depth that PLD can play the fourth line center. Yeah. You know, that's depth. They have the best goaltending for the first like two months of the season. Yeah, they're incredible. Um, I just want to say that the Winnipeg Jets are so unbelievably impressive they have here's here's what's crazy so they've played four more games in the la kings they've allowed two less goals in even wow even despite that the differential that they have compared to just about anybody else except for the vancouver canucks is crazy as well they have a 44 goal differential 139 goals for 95 against Connor Hellebuck. I know nobody's talking about the Vesna trophy this year. I think he should win it every year. He's my favorite goalie in the league and has been for five years. This guy, and I know there's there's other goalies on the team, but he's played 30 of the games. Rob Brassois has been awesome. Yep. Yep. He has. He's a good goalie, man. But Connor Hellebuck, even if you want to split the Vesna between the two of them, I'm no, fine no. with that. Because didn't Jim Carrey, Jim the net detective Carrey and somebody he else do sure that? sure did. Um, I This guy... Uh, 923 save percentage. He's played 1,800 minutes already. 30 games that it started already. He's 21 and six. Yeah, the conversation probably starts with him. Like that's, and and listen, I'm I'm thrilled for Gabe Velarde. I'm thrilled for Shifley's different play. It's it's uh it's like a wow. whole it's a whole different ball game in Winnipeg. The team culture seems to be so much better. But Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck at seven and a half million dollars. And by the way, if you're negotiating with a goaltender this summer, you say to them, the goal. You say to oh, them, sorry. I'm sorry, Bobrovsky's contract doesn't count. I'm sorry, Carey Price's contract doesn't count. We're measuring you against Connor Hellebuck. He makes seven and a half million. He was going to be a UFA. What do you think you're, what do you deserve based on that? Well, and he's going to have to be even better because Monkey Wrench got thrown into the situation last night. Mark Shifley is hurt. Oh, not good. How bad? How bad hurt? I don't know. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I haven't seen any reports. Producer Nick messaged a group chat when Matthew Nyes got hurt, and he's like, "Well, now Nyes is out for the rest of the year," and he he was did, back. Did not miss a shift. He got a bruise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I just want to do a little shout out to our boy Connor Hellebuck because that's uh pretty sweet. Can I throw out a goalie that nobody is talking about at all? Throw him out in the trash. He's already looked at my screen. Do it. Uh, because there's been a lot of uh, disrespect on the uh, west coast of the NHL. Um, this guy has been the most underrated best goalie is in the entire. Hunter Ingram, Thatch Daddy, Thatcher Demko. Oh God, no! No, 
I'm talking about Mr. Joey Decord. Oh, Seattle Kraken fan, I am here. Yes, for you, Joey Decord. What did you say, Connor Hellebuck's save percentages? Nine twenty-three. Nine twenty-five. Beaks out, Mr. Hellebuck, who you've been giving also, so much praise. He's also played three hundred more minutes than Joey Decord. No, uh, they're like not far off in games played. I know, but jo- three hundred more minutes. Joey Decord's got uh twenty-six games played. He's twelve and five, a two point. 2-3 GAA, and like I mentioned, the 9-25 save percentage. There's something in the water in Seattle and them making great goaltenders. They're, they're, the way they play uh, defense there, it's a great system, and Joy Decord has been playing in it fabulously and having a great start to the season. You know what's wild about so Seattle? shout out him as well, but yeah, Hellebox definitely leading the way for the Vesna. What's wild about Seattle is last year, their goaltending stats were fucking garbage. Like, just terrible goaltending stats. And yet they get into the playoffs and you're like, wow, this team's really good defensively. What is that? It was such a weird... Like, they made it to the second round. They were a pretty strong-looking team. They had a shitty start this year. Yeah. Decord's been great. But, like, doesn't it feel... It felt weird last year, don't you think? Like, like Jones had bad save percentage. Um, uh, who else? There was... No one was making saves. No. Drieger, I think it was. Drieger and uh, the Grubauer. other guy. And Grubauer. All of them were bad. Or it might not have been Trigger. It was Grubauer. Um, here, here's a sentence. Go. <laughs> from uh, Wikipedia as it popped up. On March 14th, 2021, Decord was forced to start a game against the Toronto Maple Leafs after Matt Murray suffered an injury. He was with the Sens at the time. Wow. Uh, during warmups. He went on to make 33 saves in a 4-3 win for his first NHL victory. Hey. <laughs> wow. Joey Decord's first damn win was against the Leafs in the um, uh, Canadian bubble season. The Joey Decord, uh, a seventh round draft pick, 199th overall uh, by the Ottawa Senators. If the Ottawa Senators simply held on to the goaltenders they drafted, <laughs> would they have to sign outrageous deals with every goaltender that's mid? Yes. Did you see Philip Forsberg left the, the game last night? Uh, he was he injured did. on uh, trying to make a save. That was fucking... Anton, right? Anton. Oh, sorry, Philip. Uh, <laughs> Anton Philip. Forsberg. Um, uh, Philip Forsberg, another guy with a terrible save percentage. Zero. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's at the bottom. It can't get worse. <laughs> I'm just saying... Anton, like, so, like, things are getting just worse in Ottawa. Like, like, uh, like, think about all the guys that the Ottawa Senators have drafted that have c- turned into relatively good goaltenders in the NHL They level. are they a don't goaltender have to spend, factory. You don't, gotta, you don't have to spend $8 million on goaltending every year, Ottawa. Just keep the guy. Simply uh, keep the guy. I want to play a game. I want to play a game. Okay, what's the game? Uh, we're going to play played for the Sens, didn't play for the Sens. Oh, there's been a lot of turnover. There's been a lot of turnover. Okay, all right. Robin Leonard. Played for the Sens. Played for the Sens! Mm-hmm. Joey Decord. Played for the Sens. Played for the Sens! Ben Bishop. Oh, played and played well for the Sens. Played for the Sens! He was very good with the Sens. The guys who have gone through that organization, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, Cam Talbot was there. Cam Talbot was... Played for the Sens! Cam Talbot was good. Uh, Who was the guy that... uh, Who was the guy that went to uh columbus wasn't there a goalie that went to columbus and was good and he was a former senator am i wrong on that mm, pascal no. leclerc no i don't know maybe i'm wrong i feel like there's Play for the sen- i don't actually know if yeah did. i'm just it's that's a tough one they all become the second coming of dominic Hasek, who also played for the sense yes yes who leads the ottawa senators in all-time games played 
All times games played? Uh, as a goalie, sir. Oh, as a goalie. Yes. Damian Rhodes. Ron Tugnut. Uh, fourth. Steve, Patrick Lalim. Uh, second. Steve, what's your guess? Craig Anderson. Oh! Number one by a country mile. 435 games played. By the way, if they had Damn. just hung on to him. Like, he was okay. I know he's retired now, but he was great. Or he's okay in Buffalo last year. Where's Laleem? Uh He is second. Ah! Yeah. Nuts. I did say him. Yes. Yeah. Adam you did missed say it. Him. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Sorry, I was right. too busy thinking. I can't That's okay. focus on two things. I, you know what, Steve? I it's okay. To get done. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. Yeah, yeah Craig Mike Anderson. Broder, also a, a legend of Sens goaltending. Seven games played. Curtis McElhaney. Seven games when did for, the, that for the Ottawa Senators. I don't remember that at all. Uh, that is a thing that happened. Mad Sogard, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. 20, 20 wow. games played. Wow. Trying to go over. It's Philip Gustafson, 27. Cameron Talbot. There's another guy <laughs> playing for the Sen. Philip Gustafson, yeah. Yeah, good goalie. There's a decent goalie you could have hung on to. The Hamburglar, as we all know. Um, Alex Ald. Oh. He's big. He's bald. He's Alex Ald. <laughs> You don't remember him? <laughs> or you don't remember that chance? I remember that. I, no, I remember it. I'm just laughing at it. <laughs> yeah. Canucks fans did yeah. that one. Here's he's big, he's bald, he's out. Oh, and, and what did he do, Steve? He played for the Sens! Okay, played so for the Sens. I know the Senators had to trade Craig Anderson or get rid of or let, let him go or whatever, but uh, he was not bad last year in Buffalo. He nope. was not bad the year before in, in a on a terrible Buffalo team. Uh, he only played four games the, the previous year with, with the Caps. Um, and he was not bad in his last year in Ottawa. Just simply hang on to your man. I don't stand know. by your man. I don't know this for sure. I do not. Mm -hmm. But because of how many teams have desperately needed goaltending this year, mm -hmm. I bet at least one NHL team called up Craig Anderson and said, <laughs> how retired are you? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be shocked by that. Not at all. Um, Not in the least. I, speaking of, I want to ask you guys about this. Corey Perry has had a conversation with Gary Bettman. Friedman said, and we kind of speculated about this too, that, that if it was any other organization other than the Chicago Blackhawks, whatever the incident was, because the Blackhawks have no room to maneuver. They have lost all benefit of the doubt. Um, they were pulling nasty shit in court again the other day. Yeah. Um, and the NHL is going to try their best to rebuild that franchise. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks don't have a, have room to move in with. There is no gray area. There is no benefit of the doubt. They terminate Corey Perry's contract. Uh, there are some rumors that he could potentially, and I don't know that he will. There are rumors that well, maybe he maybe that could be challenged. Yep. But what we do know is that Corey Perry is eligible to play in the NHL. There are teams that are very interested in, in him. Carlo Koliakovo said yesterday on Twitter that there was mutual interest between the Leafs and Corey Perry. We know that there were there was interest uh, from the, the Leafs perspective yep. dating back not just to this summer, but the summer of 2019. Oh, with Wayne Simmons. With Wayne Simmons. So the, I forgot about the Leafs that. had the opportunity to sign. It was Corey Perry or Wayne Simmons. And you're probably asking, why didn't they simply sign them both? Because they didn't have the room. They made a choice. They went with Wayne. Simmons was straight up the better player at the time. He was. I'll, I'll die on that hill. Absolutely. No, Perry's career looked like it was over. Mm -hmm. It and, was over. And Simmons was great for the Leafs until he broke his wrist. Yes. No, like, Corey Perry's career has been on absolute zombie mode. Yeah. yeah. It, it just won't go away. So um, I keep thinking that a great fit for him would be the Florida Panthers because they are a bunch of Corey Perry's anyway. It's the fit. 
It is the fit. It's the fit. Um, he he's probably going to be back in the next month. I would think. That's what I get. That's my guess. I have no proof of that. Do you feel like the fans of whatever team he signs with deserve to know what happened? No, and I'll tell you why. Not because you don't deserve to know, but because legal papers have been signed, NDAs have been signed. There was a legal process with this, and so we you're not going to find out. Do you deserve to? In a perfect world, yes, but you'll ne- you'll never know. You will never know what happened there. Uh, and it's not because, sorry, so I, I should have answered that question. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, yes, they should absolutely effing know what happened, <laughs> but you never will know. How's that? Uh, wow. I've never seen an, an answer form a circle. I know. Sometimes oh, you just, good. sometimes my brain doesn't work that well. I'm no, that's, sorry. That's why you, you get yeah. it out with your friends. So yeah, no, you, you for sure should know. You're not going to know. That's the way I'm, I'm not asking. I'm not get diving into how legal reform needs to be reformed. Uh, I'm not. I'm not getting into that. Uh, I'll generally, just, don't get a million and a half dollars worth of contract ripped up for doing something good. What's What's I think is going to be keep this story rumbling mm-hmm. as even if he signs with a team and then he starts playing all that stuff is that the NHLPA might appeal the termination. Yes, and then once that happens, they have to go into a whole proceeding about hey, he wants his money back and all that. All that, but stuff. he can still and play and sign in that time. Yes, uh, yes, it's just about getting the money back. It's like the Evander Kane situation, you know. Um, so that'll keep the story of Corey Perry in the news, which I think will be very interesting to follow for the next couple of weeks. I'm, they have until I believe it. I forget the exact date, but somewhere in the end of January to file the appeal. So it's coming up the date where they have to issue it. I have a question just from a formatics perspective. The Leafs are weaker on the left side, right? Uh, their, yes. their right wing is pretty strong. Nylander, Marner, it's a pretty good lead. In, and then you've got Yarncroke. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then you've got whoever's the right side on the on the fourth line. Doesn't matter. Corey obviously would slot in on probably on the fourth line. Yeah. But you know that he's going to be a guy that they're going to want to mix into more shifts than your average fourth line or especially come playoffs. Is there a chance? Yeah. Is there a possibility that if he were to play with the Leafs that you go, I know you shoot right and I know you play right. I mean, you're a winger. So you'd be on the left. I'm sure he could do it. Like if Roman Polak can play his offside. I feel like Corey Perry can figure it out. I, I feel, um, I think what they would do is they'd throw Yarn Croak on the left. Because he can switch. Yeah, because he's pretty good. Okay, now does that make their left side, are you more confident in their left side if Yarn Croak's on that side? Are of you course. feeling better about that? Of course. Um, he's been he's been where he's been because it's made sense. I If they wanted to, like that uh, Domi-Robertson-Yarn Croak line, Robertson and Yarn Croak can both switch. So I, I, it's easier for wingers to switch. That's what I figured. Yeah. It's the, of the positions in the game, it's the least important position. I would goaltend. I think Corey Perry would be a better left winger than Noah Gregor. (laughs) Sure. I, I I just don't think that you're signing Corey Perry to play him eight minutes a night. I think you're signing him to play 12. And I think that's a different, which is a big difference. Huge. It sounds like it it doesn't sound like it, but it's it's a a huge, huge difference. And I think he's the third line guy. And I also think it prevents if the Leafs go and sign him, for instance, they then don't have to make the trade that they were going to make. It doesn't cost them anything other than money. They're up against the cap. Uh, I don't know what the LTIR space right. is. We we also heard that there's a little bit of poo poo thrown on the Carly Koliakvo rumor. You know, well, <sighs> yeah. well, we do know he can play a very a very yeah, but like going play. to the Leafs in particular. Okay, like we heard yeah. that it probably isn't likely. So. It's just they they don't have any space. Yeah, it was, like so. 
I, th- I feel like they'd almost prefer a trade because then you could send someone out uh, as well. And they all Simmons has to happen. That has to happen. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, the other one I wonder about is is Kiefer Bellows down in the Marlies rip, tipping or ripping it up and playing left wing. Uh, I believe uh, that guy is. I think they're looking at it. Um, Nick Barden uh, got confirmation that. So he first he signed a, a tryout contract with the Marlies. Mm-hmm. Twenty five games. I didn't know tryouts were twenty five games. I also didn't know that after your tryout contract is up, you can just sign another one. <laughs> so why would you do that? Why would you not? Uh, who, who's the guy? Why is that? The the he's a oh, Brian Winhorst. Ryan Winhorst. Why is that? Yeah. He's he's the top scorer on the Marlies. <laughs> on a tryout deal and he's Here, potentially just going to do another tryout. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Is it perhaps he's not looking to sign an American League deal and he would rather Who sign <laughs> there you go. There you go. Kiefer Bellows played 25 games without a contract. Why is that? I I think there might be something there. Hmm. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> the episode has to be called Why Is That? <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, what? keep doing that. <laughs> now we got something here. Uh, no, no just, you can tilt your head back. There you go. Yeah, there we go. You still got to be looking at the camera. Though. Yeah, you got to look at the camera, though. Your mouth has got to be there. sort of open like you could. There you go. There you go. No, hold it. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good, man. Dance, monkey. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. I'm not here for your entertainment. Yes, you are. That is. Oh, wait, shit. That's the express purpose of the show. That is why yeah. we're here for Fuck. our entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> why is that? I just, it's one of my... Every time I see it, it's always a a chuckle on the timeline. Uh, it is a very funny meme. Um, yeah, so the, the Corey Perry thing is interesting. The other thing that I think is really interesting uh, is, History? is the ownership of the Vancouver Canucks. I, I permanently will find the, the ownership, management, and fan relationship, the three of them together. Canucks fans are thrilled. And they should be. This is they deserve this. This team was always too talented to play as shitty as it was. And now they're seeing some really, really great results. What I found hilarious going into the year, and it was overshadowed by Steven Stamkos walking into camp and going, uh, the GM didn't call me about the extension this summer and I'm pissed about it, was the back and forth, very passive aggressive between uh, Elias Pettersson and the Vancouver Canucks. And Pettersson is... People, the the Pedersen camp leaked out to the media, if you remember. Well, he's not sure that he wants to be here. He wants to wait and see. That was the wait and see. Why is that? Why is that? Wait and see. Okay. <sighs> then the Vancouver Canucks leak out to the press, the other side. They go, yeah, well, we're not even sure we want to sign him. How did they say it? We're not even sure we want to see him. And now he's about to find <laughs> out what it's like to get a multi-million dollar gun. A hundred percent. Now, Pedersen, a lot of people are looking at the Neilander deal and going, I mean, I, we know he's an RFA, but uh, what leverage could the Canucks possibly have? And here's the interesting part, too, is when they said that, they were saying that about a player who did something that Neilander's never done, scored 100 points in a year last year 
on a not good team. At the high end, uh, you don't have the leverage. The team doesn't have the leverage. Yes. Our, generally speaking, and we talked about this earlier with Nick Robertson, who's like a fringe lineup guy, RFAs in that situation do not have leverage. Elias Pettersson is one of the top players in the National Hockey League. He has all the leverage. He's on pace for 110 points. That's pretty good. And isn't it interesting that one of the top headlines on sportsnet.ca today is, we want to keep Petey here, says Canucks GM Alvin. Wow, no kidding. No kidding. Shocking. Oh, boy. Wow, none of us saw it coming. No. What? What? Po- I just want to ask. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Ask away. Little fingies. <laughs> what possible reason would would they think that they're going to win that that publicity war? When when you say you make the statement, why did they make such a statement? Like, no, nah, we're not even sure that we want them here in Vancouver. Like, what would the lotto line Jeff be? Jeff Blair with here? No, yeah, I know it's not a lotto. It's just, it just, <laughs> just more me, you know. Yeah, but the, eh. the Canucks are in a no-win situation because you have to give him whatever he wants, right? I think having that player on your team and paying them whatever you want—that is a win situation. That's yes, the guy yes. you give every. Yes, you your, give your win is it. your win is that you get Pedersen. Yeah. What a privilege so I guess that is the win to be able to say, "I'm going to pay this guy twelve million dollars a year," because yeah. that's what I think it's going to be, RFA or not. I mean, how jacked were Pedersen and Reinhardt and everyone around them when Nylander signed his deal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And they should be. They should be. I mean, okay, Nylander is on pace for more points than Pedersen. Pedersen has already scored over 100 points in his career, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, and can play in the middle. Mm-hmm. That's the key. He's a centerman. Reinhardt, to a lesser extent. What are, what are what are hundred point centermen worth in this league? Oh, let me have. They're a look. really cheap. Oh, uh, it's crazy. Nathan McKinnon. How much money does he make? Nothing. Dick. Twelve point six million. What does Connor McDavid make on a contract that he signed four years ago? Oh, a lot longer than Five four years, years ago. ago what's he make? Uh, twelve and a half. That's right. Twelve and a half. And and Austin Matthews next year. What's he gonna make? And he hasn't even scored hundred points yet. Uh, in my dreams, league men. Yeah, but in all honesty, he's going to be 13 and a half. 13 and a quarter. How oh, dare sorry, you? sorry, and a quarter. So I think it f- seems fairly simple. If uh, Willie is 11-5 and McKinnon is 12-5, Pedersen should be 12 or 12-2. Yeah, because they have the RFA thing. Yeah. However. So it's given 12 over 8. Right, because he's going to buy. But he won't want that. Here's the question. Yes. If you're Pedersen, do you sign? He's got the injury history. Do you sign the full eight-year deal, or do you no. go the Matthews route where you go three to four? Yeah, there's no way. Buyers. There's no way. If I'm his agent, I would take an eight-year deal. Like I want something that's like four. Now, four mil, let's, or four years. Let's consider the following, and I understand a, that these players are not the same. Bill Nye consider the following: these players are not in the same level as Pedersen. Let's go back to the Leafs. Cody Franzen. The Leafs offered Cody Franzen a five-year, twenty-five million dollar deal. Okay. He he turned it down. Yep. He ended up in Buffalo. He played three more years, and that was the end of Cody Franzen in the NHL. Um, there was John Klingberg, who was offered $50 million by the Dallas Stars. When he was uh, close to Norris Trophy winning, he was amazing. When he was at his best, he was amazing. People forget that. Mm-hmm. The fall of John Klingberg is what we tend to focus on, but he was great, and that's why the fall was so astonishing. John Klingberg turned down that money, and he had an injury history when he didn't sign that contract. Pedersen has been healthy the last couple of years. Uh-huh. But if somebody says, hey, man, 
here's a hundred million dollars. Do you have, do you not like physically have a physical reaction to going, no, nah, I'll take half of it. Thanks. I think, <laughs> I think the way you started that statement is the, how you should end it. Like how you did before it's coming to full circle. Elias Pettersson isn't those players. Like Elias okay. Pettersson isn't Cody Franzen or John Klingberg. He'll be fine. He should take the, the four, five year deal and then get the next uh, $200 million contract. You know? And he has been healthy the last two years, yeah. completely healthy, 80 Nothing games and 80 games. And he's played 42 already this year. He's healthy. Yeah. Can I? I checked it out on Puckpedia. Um, Elias Pettersson's agent is Pat Brisson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I read you some of the friggin' contracts this guy has? Yeah, I go. <laughs> the top one is Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> Total value, $100.8 million. John Tavares. Total value, $77 million. Anze Kopitar, total value, 80 million. Seth Jones, total value, 76 million. Sidney Crosby, 104.4 million. This isn't necessarily current contracts. I think that's career earnings. Dylan Larkin, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield, Quinn Hughes, Jason Robertson. Then you get to Elias Pettersson in terms of highest paid guys. Camp Fowler, Claude Giroux, who's made a billion dollars in his career. Um, Trevor Zegers, Anthony Mantha. This guy has the craziest lineup of any agent in hockey. So anyway, good luck with that. I'm sure it'll be a really easy negotiation and they'll take less like all those other guys on that list. Mm -hmm. Another guy who's easy to negotiate with is Alan Walsh. Yes. Super easy. Mm-hmm. Um, Super. Doesn't advocate for his players at all. They uh, have Philip Ronick to figure out. Mm-hmm. Oh man! And the and the and the, here's the thing: the the Canucks, uh, like a lot of teams, are pressed against the cap. Now they haven't signed the big extensions like like the Leafs have. So you know Vancouver has currently an 86 million dollar payroll. There's obviously LTIR space used, but um, next year doesn't get a lot easier. You got. You know, Ronick's a RFA. Myers is coming off the books and that sort of thing. But you, you got some, you got some work to do. You got work. Mm-hmm. They have uh, Brisson has four Canucks. The captain Quinn Hughes, <laughs> Elias Pettersson. Trying to find the other two on the list, dude. That is one of the most ridiculous stables I've ever seen. Guillaume Brisois and a Christian Wolanin is the other. I shudder to think what Quinn Hughes's next deal looks like at $7.8 million. He's that's one of the best value contracts in the NHL. Dude, a lot of guys for three more years after this one, a lot of defensemen in his age group signed their contract too early. Kale McCarr. Oh, at nine mil is one of the, even though he's one of the highest paid players in the league, it's probably one of the biggest bargains. He, he's yeah, yep. He's a perennial Norris candidate. The three of the he three, should be making Carlson money. You could argue the three best defensemen in the National Hockey League did kind of the same thing, and they Fox. They, that's where I'm going. They oh, yeah. they took too little money. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you know that guy that Jesse really likes on that team. He really likes. Name him. <laughs> so the Definitely problem, beat him to the punch. The problem with the voices in my head is I uh, then say the things that they say. Kale uh, McCarr, Quinn Hughes, and Adam Fox. They've all signed long-term deals under... Adam Fox! Under <laughs> under double digits. And arguably, all of those guys ought to this day, right now, to this could day. be 
10 million plus dollar players and uh, unfortunately for them like the cap's only gonna get higher and those deals are only gonna get better for the teams what's Makar signed at 9 million flat I believe it's nine flat. Okay, so Fox signed the best deal of them because he got the nine and a half, but that was coming off the Norris Trophy year. Yeah. You imagine if a Leaf won a Norris Trophy and then had to sign a contract, we'd be paying 16 million bucks a year. <laughs> I, oh, easily. On an RFA? Easily. The uh, the, Subban, the Subban situation where it's like, you got to prove yourself. And then he wins the Norris. Proves himself He's immediately. Like, yeah. So I kind of proved myself. And then Bergeron's like, I don't think so, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, because he won the Norris and then immediately went back into contract negotiations yeah. and said, you're going to hit me. Uh, my I number is going to be nine. You meant Bergevin. Bergevin. Yes. Excuse me. Bergevin. Yes. Different. Like, what does this have to do with Patrice? And Patrice Bergeron said, no, fuck you, BK. <laughs> I was like, no. I he, get he's, he's from he probably Quebec. Did. But he probably did. Yeah, he probably yeah. said that. But I, 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 yeah. But Bergevin was like, you know, the nine million, we're still not going to do it. And yeah. then the owner had to step in and be like, yes, you are. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And then immediately when that contract's going to be like guaranteed for a long time because you're going to stick around, we're going to trade you. Yeah. Yeah. Worked out. Worked out for both. Yeah. I'd both say. The, it, it ended up in two Stanley Cup finals appearances. Nashville yep. got one, Montreal got one. Can't complain about that. Yep. Right. Anyway, yeah, I bet Pedersen hangs around for less. I think so too. Huh? I yeah. think so too. Discount it's, it's five mil. <laughs> Jeez, please don't say that. Um, so listen, uh, yesterday um, was the toughest day uh, in our company's history, and I think that we should address it uh, as much as we can. Uh, and I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you what I can tell you. Obviously, there's things that we can't talk about, but. Um, when we started expanding and we expanded pretty rapidly, we did so under an economic structure that made sense at the time uh, that has since changed. And it changed very rapidly. And I'm sure everybody's aware of the cuts, not only in media, but actually across all industries right now. Um, and I think that anytime people make these cuts, there's there's anger and there's outbursts and whatever. I, I, I do want to say that... Um, when we went through this, um, every single person we were on a call with didn't deserve the phone call. Um, you know, we wouldn't do this if we didn't have a choice. And I also want to say that every single person that we hired, we believed in and still do. And I think, uh, apparently that's a corny thing. To well, say. I don't, I don't care. Uh, we hired them I, because we thought they were great. I yesterday offered an endorsement of, of S who did excellent basketball coverage for us and people gave me shit for it. I I've been laid off a number of times and I was just trying to do what I wish previous employers had done for me. And apparently that's uh, corny and uncool. Well, so, sorry, but listen, I'm not here to decide what's corny and what's not cool, but I will tell you this. And I think we all would agree on this. We want those people, all of them to be successful. So I would encourage you to follow them. I'd encourage you to, if they're writing things, read them. If they're watching, if, if they're doing streams, watch them. There are some, some real genuinely amazing stars in the making there. And uh, the whole point of something like, for instance, Game Over was to bring that out in people that hadn't had a shot. And so, you know, as we told them, and I'll tell you now, we are extraordinarily disappointed and sorry that we can't continue it, but we can't. And that is the economic reality of the of what we're facing. This is going to be a very, very hard year economically, not just for our company, but I think for a lot of people. And, um, and we uh, want to say that we uh, have nothing but respect and amazing things for, to say about those people. And we wish them extraordinarily 
good things in the future because they all deserve it. They did amazing work while they were here. And I thought, you know, it, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that. Um, and so, you know, our uh, our goal now as a company is to continue on and to, you know, the thing about being a startup is is there's ups, there's peaks and valleys. And um, we are uh, just as challenged as any startup would be right now. And I hope that things turn around for not just us, but for everybody. There's a lot of people that I know that are, you know, especially in this this industry, there's a huge transition taking place uh, from traditional to non-traditional. And I could go on for hours about it. It's a very, very challenging time. So wanted to say that we wish them all the best. Um, and, and just uh, publicly thank them yeah, uh, for their time and for the incredible content that they put on the Game Over and the Objective Basketball podcast with S and Lauren and S's all of his individual work. Just the entire Game Over team and and the basketball programming. Like, Just thank you for creating that amazing content. Just want to say that publicly. Uh, we did it private, privately, obviously, but um, publicly, I think they, yeah. the fans of those programs too, if you supported that, thank you for supporting it and hopefully they continue some work uh, somewhere in the future. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, and uh, you know what? We'll wrap up this episode. We're going to be back on Monday. Uh, don't forget the CJ show uh, out and explaining all the... Th <laughs> I haven't had a chance to listen this morning, honestly. It's been a... It's fantastic. Yeah, is it? Good stuff, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll okay. listen on the way home. CJ show. <laughs> so I was brand a little new busy. CJ show. Yeah. Um, so we'll... Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add? I'm just sorry. I, w I wish it could have gone differently very badly and uh it will it will go differently but mm -hmm. yesterday sucked um yeah so we'll wrap it up there i'm sorry to leave on a on a note like that but it was a it was a very rough day for a lot of people yesterday who didn't deserve it so thanks so much for listening we'll be back monday uh and we'll talk to you soon on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.